right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Today, which really sucks. Mm. Welcome to episode 347 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Admin on the message board, and I'm really tired, so I apologize if I'm not chirpy. I don't even have a beer. Boo. Uh, joined today by Marcus Almighty Mark and 69th Blizzard Ken. And Hello. two of our guys are missing because life comes first before podcasting and fun. But there we go. Uh, I will I will actually steal Lonnie's homework because I didn't do any myself. So I think he did his <laughs> ranking. So I will just take Lonnie's and present them as my own. But before we get into the rankings, let's go through some of the news from the week. Paul Stanley did his uh, town hall today, which I didn't watch or haven't seen. I think it was on Sirius XM, which I don't have. So therefore, I missed it. I did not miss the feature in the San Diego rag which called out the KISS FAQ, <laughs> which <laughs> drove me up the wall. It set me off. Um, uh-huh. Well, it quoted from threads from 2019 with negative uh-huh. comments before anyone had heard a single thing uh, from Paul's album. And then it presented a link to a thread that was current, that was overwhelmingly positive from people after uh, they yeah. had heard stuff from the album. So. Right. I yeah. was furious. I, I was like, how can you do this? This is like so tabloidish to do that, to say this is what people on the KISS FAQ were saying. Yeah, and they said it in 2019, stupidly, without having heard it. But, I mean, why would you feed the trolls? You know, Exactly. The, the comment Paul made to that being presented was that if you're not into it, he's not going to go out of his way to change your mind if you prejudged it beforehand, which I can take or leave yeah. as an argument i mean yeah there are going to be people who just bash on him because they don't get it and because it's not a kiss album but to then say well, i'm not interested in trying to persuade you um as an artist you should always want to say why you want yeah. people to at least give it a, yeah. give it a chance and say hey i've got these singles out now go and listen to them if you still feel that way well at least you have you know sampled from the buffet you know, don't just give them an easy out to say, I'm not yeah. trying it because I don't think you'll do a good job. Prove it, you know, and maybe they'll still bash on him. That's that's fine. And at which point it doesn't really matter. It's just a shame. The article also said that he was uh, in a 1999 Broadway touring version of uh, Phantom of the Opera, which was not true. That's not... It did not go on tour. It wasn't Broadway. It was Pantags or whatever it is, theater in Toronto, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So it was the closing of the theater as well. Not Broadway. Contagious. Contagious. Yeah, Contagious. Short, short run in, in Canada. That's all it was. So the other, th- yeah, you're saying the, about, uh, you know, people not listening to it uh, and Paul saying, okay, well, whatever. Um, I, I think, yeah, he should have said something, you know, at least, you know, listen to it. I wrote some say, uh, yeah, I wrote some songs for this. If you like my, you know, my writing, the songs I write, you might, you might enjoy it, you know, just, you know, take a little listen. Yeah, go on, go on Spotify. You don't have to pay. Exactly. 
you know, and two singles are up there, and an, another one's dropping tomorrow. The one that dropped early and got pulled back, which oh. is one of the songs that he wrote, which is absolutely outstanding. So as go. a song, it is incredible. It is really, really good. And I've heard from people who have heard it, because I've not been granted access to the advanced stream um, for some odd reason. People who have heard it have sung the praises of the songs that he has written for this. So I would say to Paul, don't let people off the hook with cop-outs of I'm not going to persuade you. You've got five new songs on there. You know, mm-hmm. go go exactly. and check that. Go and check them out. Give them a chance. Yeah. And if you still don't like them, fine. Because you know what? I don't like broccoli. And no matter how many times I try, <laughs> I'm not going to like broccoli. <laughs> so, Mark, should someone try your music, or should they just bash you beforehand? Um. Well, I've been fortunate so far. Uh, most people have give it a, give it a try, and uh, you know, you have the basher here and there, right? But you know. I've always I always say the same thing, you know, not everybody is meant to like the same things. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, then that's fine too. You know, but usually I find that once people um, do give it a chance, most people seem to like it. I mean, what I find interesting is I, I go on these live streams sometimes and the person whose live stream I know I'm on will mention the record or mention a record to hold up a record, say, Hey, I got Mark's record like two weeks ago. And then I'll get like two or three orders from people where somebody's saying, yeah, you know what, I, after I listened to this so-and-so stream, I went on uh, went on your band camp and checked it out. And yeah, it's actually, it's pretty good. So sometimes people need a little bit of encouragement. It's like they don't want to be the first ones to go there. It's like as long as Bob here goes first and he likes it, then I'm going to give it a shot. Sometimes that kind of happens. It's like a follow the leader thing sometimes, right? Yeah, so I'm not going to rant about that rev- that review mentioning the FAQ. That's a little bit different to uh, you know so certain other podcast mentioning the cesspit because it was just taken so far out of context that it really it really grinds my gears. Um, what else? Shout it out loud! New single, Ken. You bought it. Why don't you tell us about it? I bought it. Uh, yeah, it was surprising a couple of days ago, two three days ago um kiss online you know put out that they had shout it shout out loud collection um i guess celebrating anniversary of the single um and it's on a nice looking was i think orange colored orange, vinyl. of course yeah and with a nice picture sleeve uh yeah with i with bought it too surprise surprise yeah so and it comes to you know you, you can get a, a bundle a few more things um like t-shirt and and uh hat and so on but uh uh yeah it's cool that they did something a little bit different um so yeah i i'm not a necessarily a single collector sometimes did you I get some. your email um i didn't no i didn't get the email probably I got my I email a bundle see i bought I a bundle my, so yeah maybe. probably that's why because i got my email saying that they they have sent my single already so yeah should be getting it any day, any time now. Yeah, so they're probably sending mine all together because yeah. and they, maybe they don't have the you know the shirt or whatever um, yet. Um, but that that's fine. That'll probably be not too long of a wait. Um, I'm not worried about it. But yeah, it's it's cool that they got something else out and uh, you know they're gonna continue I guess this trend. Now I'm curious, the people who are doing the single, are there are they a different? company than what's doing the kiss killers thing i'm guessing they're two different entities 
you know, I don't know, but I would assume that they're different uh, pressing plants. But, you know, I don't know. They're, all, they're both, what, distributed through... Um, universal. Universal, but, you know, I don't know if one is in Europe and I, one's here. I'm or, just shocked but, that this one, the single is already done and on its way out. You know, like, that's, like, what I was most shocked about. You know, the Killers thing was announced way earlier, and there's still no news about whether that's when that's coming, so... Well, I think the the killers one is was supposed to ship uh, around the sixteenth. I want to say the sixteenth or nineteenth of of this month, something like that. Oh yeah, okay, well that's good. Uh, that's according that's... to the the website that I ordered it from. You ordered it, or you ordered it? From... <laughs> I just didn't. Re- I just didn't. I just it, didn't yeah. read the website. Yeah, uh, he. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Julian, Julian to save shipping costs, Julian. Uh, Offer to order mine too, and I paid him back. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, because it was killer. My shipping costs were like unbelievable. I could have ordered another record at another store. Like, it was that much. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and also when you double up, there's hope that it, one arrives in good condition with no <laughs> corner nicks. I, I saw someone who ordered a bunch, I think it was the Ace Records in Australia, and every single one of them arrived dinged. So it's, oh, uh, nice. yeah, I, I do hope that they, they package it probably. Yeah, you know what? The, the single has the Danish cover from 19, well, 1976, obviously. Um, I think it had the British pressing emi pressing inside it because i think it had cbx 516 as the matrix number loser uh knowing that off the top of your head um, <laughs> yeah so i did not order no interest whatsoever about getting back into any of that i'm actually meaning to list all my metal hammer uh colored vinyl singles oh, i want yeah get rid of those and I've got to start getting rid of my vinyl because it's just i'm done I, I want it gone. So, but it's nice that they're doing it, even though it doesn't interest me. And I did see a video today on Facebook of uh, the pressing plant doing the yes. orange. Now, I think mm-hmm. orange must be the cheapest color. I don't think it is, though. I, I mean, from the, from every time I went into colored pressing, they never told me that there was any difference in cost. But you would think that the amount of times that Kiss has done the orange, maybe they, they got some kind of special reduced rate this is our last bag of these orange pellets you want it kiss you know yeah yes the popularity of orange is probably not as you know much as like a red or a blue or something like yeah. that therefore they may have had there's a lot of stock and give them a give them a deal or something now i can't remember where I, where I read it that uh colored vinyl is not less quality than black right. vinyl it just wears no. faster yeah, it's it's possible. I mean, the the thing is, my dad used to work at uh, like he used to repair injection molding machines, which, as you know, do a lot of these pressings, right? And I used to go with them all the time. And uh, they used to say that the colored vinyl actually sometimes was better in audio quality because they never used any of the regrind from it. Like the black ones, when they, when they would trim it, they would took take it, put it into a regrinder, and then later on down the line. If they were short on stuff, they would use the regrind, put it in, and mix it up, and make more records from it. But they would never do it with the colored ones, because they just that didn't like how it was after they got regrind a lot of the times. So they would just only use the virgin material for that. So a lot of the times they were saying that the color ones actually sounded good. Now whether they do wear faster, that's possible. I don't have any evidence to the contrary on that. So you could be right. 
Mm. All right, so let's get into today's topic. And I, I did want to say, Mark, your CD arrived the other day. I can't remember if I mentioned that to you. So oh, good. I was very happy that that happened. Um, we're going to finish up our MVP album rankings because mm-hmm. we ran out of time last week. You know, having five people on the show, we just kind of yeah. went around. So because Lonnie's not here, I'm going to use his if if they agree with me uh, for the last couple of albums because. I haven't even looked. We decided to add in the box set because we'd ignored that and just figure, you know, go disc by disc on it and which who's the MVP of each disc in the box set. So why don't we go back to 2001 to Happier Days and start with disc one from the from the box. Mark, why don't we start with you? Well, um, I gave it a bit of a think again for this, but what I put as the MVP were uh, Kerner and Weiss. And the reason why I put them as the MVP is because when you take a good solid look at this disc, I mean, besides the Strutter demo and the Deuce one, a lot of the stuff that's on here has their involvement in it, right? I mean, a lot of the things that are on here, like those first album and second album tracks, that's all them, you know. I mean, some of the some of the demos, I think, too, weren't some of the Bell Sound stuff with them as well? Like, I, I remember reading somewhere that they, I thought that he, they were involved with that somehow, weren't they? Like, telling them to just go through their whole uh, catalog of stuff, and then they chose from the whole mm-hmm. bunch of songs that they had. Yeah, but now, they didn't produce it. They no, just okay, recorded but, it. I'm just saying that, but their, their involvement with the material, I think, was pretty uh substantial you know i mean i re- i heard a great interview i'm sure you guys must have heard it too that uh, mitch lafon did with kerner and, and those guys whatever they talked about the fact that kerner was involved with the arrangement of the track listing you know all those kind of things he went over to lyrics with the guys and weiss was more involved in the audio side of things the, the uh, actual audio production of it so they went into gr- great detail about what they did on those first two records especially and you know even the prep work on it so for me, when I kind of look at this first uh, disc, I see a lot of their involvement in there. So, you know, that, that's why I kind of listed them on there. I mean, I, I understand Ken's selection, which I'm sure he can talk about next. Ken. Oh, so that was my lead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I chose um, Eddie Kramer uh, because the, the demos are a big deal for for Kiss, um, obviously, and that was what was sent over to um, you know Neil Bogart or Casablanca um, to check out. So that's a big Savage Stone, and and the demos are pretty, you know, they're real cool. They're cool versions of the songs that are you know a little bit different here and there. That actually, I wish some of it they would have kept. So I'm thinking that. Maybe Kerner and Wise had had them trim some of the cool stuff that I liked in the original demos <laughs> out. So I've got to got to nix you there a little bit, uh, Mark. But um, I, you know, there's a lot of other stuff on here too on the on the first disc, you know, which is cool. But just based on the importance, I guess, of those uh, original demos that Eddie Kramer uh, produced. Uh, recorded or whatever um that's the big that's the big thing for me so eddie kramer it's absolutely criminal that they did not include the full five song demo they, they just True. put the same bloody tracks on that they'd already released <laughs> a multitude of times by then 
Um, I, I'm going to say the MVP of disc one is Wicked Lester. Because when those came out, <laughs> remastered and that sort of clarity, yeah, uh, for all the other versions that uh, you know circulated, better has come out since then, and we're as good as that um, for all the versions, with the exception of the first recordings, aka the demo. Even though Paul mm-hmm. says no demo was recorded, the clarity of those just blew me away. So Wicked Lester wins this disc. I nearly gave it to Paul for having the audacity to put that song on. Um, <laughs> because that's just pure embarrassment when it's sequenced right next to Lita. So here is a young Paul Stanley, and then here is a young Paul McCartney, I mean Gene Simmons. The the difference between the two um, was very vast at that point compared to where they kind of later fell. All right, let's move on. Disc two, because neither of the other guys put up their rankings. So Andrew and Lonnie, I can't speak to yours. Disc two, Mark. Well... For this one, I had a real hard time, so I kind of pulled a Ken on this one, and I and I awarded yeah. this one to Kiss, because when you take a look at actually all the tracks on here, the band itself are really involved. Well, I mean, they're obviously involved in it, but I mean, I think their performances on these tracks are really fantastic. I mean, the live tracks that are on here are all great, you know, versions of it. You know, Cold Gin. Rock bottom, come on and love me and all that stuff. And the, the demos, you know, they're they're interesting stuff. But for someone like me, when I was getting back into Kiss again, I didn't hear some of this stuff before. I never got deep into the whole demos and early unreleased tracks until much much later in my, you know, Kiss fandom there. So you know, hearing like Mad Dog and Don't You Hesitate and stuff like that, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. that's cool. I never heard this before. But you know, you have you have representation of everybody on here. You know, you have Beth. You you have you know. Uh, hard luck woman peter on here so i think really this this disc is probably one of the best ones that shows the power of kiss as a band as a whole you know because i think that a lot of the times you know uh, later on you start seeing that there was a lot of stuff that they did separately and there was no involvement with other people on it you know i think at least back at this time there was probably a little bit more involvement with the other guys in it right than there was a much later on in the you know, in the career of the band. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, there while there are some great things on here, there are also some, you know, head-scratching ones, like Bad, Bad, Loving. It's like, wow, that's yeek. But anyways, you know, but, but you know, it's it's historically they're all important tracks, I think. All right, Ken. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> like Mark, I pulled a can also. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I am Ken. <laughs> so, I, so, yeah, it, it's... There's the live stuff. Uh, I think I went for a live. I thought I picked Kiss as a band too. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's on here, and uh, it's just them working together as coming to a, a nice tight group in this period of time uh, as a band, as a still a hungry band. So I. I, I, yeah, I put a kiss. I didn't give it to one or the other, you know, uh, band member or producer or anything like that. So I agree with Mark that it's kiss as a, as a group. I disagree with you both. It's Paul Stanley on the strength of don't you hesitate, which I had not heard when this came out. I know it, it did circulate, but that was new to me. Um, Mad dog was new to me. 
Um, and then, of course, the demo of uh, God of Thunder and the demo of Mr. Speed. So three, three of those are Paul's. And on the strength of those, um, plus the Love Gun demo officially getting released, Paul wins easily because Gene's stuff on here is obviously Bad Bad Loving, which I had had for years. Um, so it was uninteresting. Love is Blind, which I'd had for years. Um, yeah. So, Paul... And just to know that those are the magnographic demos from, you know, that predate Bob Ezrin and mm -hmm. Destroyer. So we know now, especially from the vault as well, that they have pristine copies of those. So how about putting them all out? You know, yes, that would mm -hmm. be really nice, even though some of the songs are as bad. As, well, they're worse than Mad Dog. Yeah. Or from Mark's perspective, worse than Bad Bad Loving. So... But other than that, it was a good disc. It was actually the winner for me because of Don't You Hesitate. So, all right, let's move on. Disc three. Oh, now it gets a now it gets interesting mm -hmm. because it's very difficult because there just wasn't that much new stuff on this one. So I think because this is like the greatest hits from uh, 1976 to 82, I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, Vinnie Vincent for the winner because right at the end of this you have his contributions to the band and the big change over in era Mark well what I put down I should have actually put one other thing on there because I put down Casablanca records but what it should have put down is Casablanca slash phonogram records because in my opinion when you look at all this stuff here I mean this is all due to them I think in my opinion I mean the live two stuff and the solo record stuff. I mean, you know, Neil Bogart and Casablanca dumped so much money behind these guys to do these solo records and these, you know, these live albums. And then they did the, you know, the double platinum came out and all this stuff. This, this era is all about money, money, money pumping from the record label. I think, I mean, when you look at this stuff and then, and then, and then when you think about the other stuff that came out later, like, you know, the Dynasty era and Unmasked and all that, you know, Phonogram had taken over by that point, started taking over the reins from, you know, Casablanca when he started getting out of it. So, again, they gave Kiss one of the biggest, you know, record contracts ever for a band, showing their confidence in them, you know, probably because they, they were the only rock band that they probably had that were decent at the time. So they gave them large money, and they they, they really got behind them. And the material that we got at that time, was here and I guess Kiss felt confident to move forward with that because of their, you know, big huge contract and their the big pat on the back from Phonogram and those guys and they and this is what we got during that time period. I think they had a lot to do with this whole era. I mean a lot of the promotion and all that stuff. I mean look at all the things that we got. Like all the the, the merchandise and all that stuff. It's crazy. So I, I, I give it to them. Just thinking about merch, and I actually bought some pop culture merchandise today from Walmart. Yeah, I got this thing called Bop It, mm. a Baby Yoda Bop It. Oh, Baby Yoda. To put on my desk when I'm stressed out. So, uh, Ken, <laughs> what's your pick for the third disc? Uh, well, I picked. Mark, you picked um, Casablanca, right? Yeah, and Phonogram, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I would. The thing is, with Casablanca, why the heck did they put? They use the Creatures of the Night remix on this disc. I, I was like, what the heck did they do that for? But anyway, um, otherwise. Phonogram you know, did that though, didn't they? 
Okay, phonogram. That time. They took over it, right? So I'm going to blame them <laughs> for that. Uh, I picked Gene on this one. I don't know. It because because that's it. what you do. Because I'm, I'm on, you know, Team Gene. Team Gene there. So I had to pick Gene. So, you know, for great songs like Larger Than Life that he pulled off uh, in this period. Um, and, uh, you know, well, Radioactive Demo. Yeah, why didn't they just shoot the regular radio radioactive? I don't know. Um, on this, um, and then and then the creature stuff. Uh, well, the Elder World of Heroes, but the, I I don't know why they didn't put on um, uh, Only You, for instance, um, on here. Uh, I, I don't understand that unless that's on our desk. I can't remember now. Uh, but War Machine definitely. Fantastic, and I love it loud. Those are just gene sta- big gene staples during this period. So, um, actually, those two songs go with Larger Than Life. Pretty much, they're both they're three big songs, really big, cool songs. So the big like gymnasiums, gymnasium, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so ah, I picked Gene. What the heck? Technically, you should have picked Ace with Rocket Ride, New York Groove, and Talk to Me. True. Well, two of the two out of those three. Mm. Interesting that the solo singles, only one of the band members was changed, with Paul switching from "Hold Me, Touch Me" to "Tonight You Belong to Me," and Aces is still the same as the Seven Inch, same with Gene and Peter. So that was just a random Paul may thought. Have had some input on that, maybe. Yes, he changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we get into the garbage. Because garbage. The, well. Yeah. The, I like this disc the best, actually. The music's great, without a doubt, but the fact that there was really nothing interesting on there, ain't that peculiar, um, was very disappointing once we figured out that it was a Smokey Robinson song, lyrics <laughs> scattered to a music track, and Time Traveler, uh, again, I had that. So everything else was album versions or remixes, so... I don't have anything. Actually, it'll be Eric Carr, because if it's the new stuff, then the MVP on this is Eric Carr singing, regardless. So, Ken, mm-hmm. back to you for disc okay. four. Disc four, I picked Paul uh, in this period of 83. He was running pretty much, you know, the Kiss show at that time, uh, with Gene kind of doing his side stuff. So, you know, with Lick It Up, um, all's breaking loose. I mean, if you go down the list, this is all Paul songs. All hell's breaking loose. Heaven's on fire. Get all you can take. Thrills in the night. Tears are falling. All, all night. Time traveler. And then you then they have to stick in hell or high water in there. So you got one gene in there. And then you got crazy nights. Reason to live. Let's put the X in sex. And eh. you know, hide your heart. Uh, of course, you mentioned ain't that peculiar, uh, which was cool um, to have on that. With Eric, but uh, and then Silver Spoon Forever. So this, on this whole disc of six, sixteen songs, Gene appears once, Eric appears once. It's all Paul. I gave it to Paul. Sounds like a reason not to give it to Paul. Mark, <laughs> maybe. Well, I mean, can can exactly nail it. This disc is completely Paul Stanley. I mean, every single song on here is his. You know, except for those two that you mentioned. And I mean, really. 
if you think about it, it, it makes total sense because, I mean, there really isn't that much great gene stuff to pick from during this time period, I don't think. So, you know, why wouldn't you, you know, have it this stacked? I mean, yeah, maybe you could have put a couple of songs off of the Lick It Up album for Gene on here. Definitely. But <laughs> other than that, I mean, there isn't that much great material on here. So, like, for for him, I mean, from that time period. But, you know... It was interesting that they picked that the demo for for Eric and you know that they put the single version of Forever rather than the album one. I don't know if there's any real grandiose version of it because I only have that cassette copy of that single version of it, uh, so I've never really actually heard it because my cassette deck is screwed, yeah. so I never got to play it to hear it. But I'm guessing it's nothing that you know hugely different in sound. So why not just put mm-hmm. the album version on there, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely disc four is Paul Stanley. They could have just put, they should have just put his face on the front and that's it. I got I gotta say though that and you brought up something about Gene. Like, they he used hell or high water on here. I mean, they definitely could have used not for the innocent on here. Um, what you know that and and trial by fire. Those are those are really it's like a glove. Good, even fits like a glove. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, maybe Paul was, you know, more my songs controlling, on controlling these. Uh, he goes, ah, the 80s was my my period. You know, screw Gene, I'm going to use his crappy song from Crazy Nights. There would be no kids. So. <laughs> 83 to 90. I mean, it was. I mean, know, it was. M- mostly but, uh, Paul. It, it, there's some misses, definitely misses of songs on the box set. Not just here, but other parts. Yeah. All right, moving on to the final disc. Alex Coletti, because there's stuff from Unplugged Wins. My MVP for this disc. Mark? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because when we did the other, when we did the albums themselves and we went to Unplugged, I actually picked Alex as well for that just because Mm -hmm. I thought that his involvement in it, if it wasn't for him, there probably wouldn't have been no Unplugged you know, album like that, and you know, the, there would be no reunion. So, but given that this is much more than just the unplugged material on here, you know, I, again, I had to, I had to pull the Ken and give it to the whole band here again, because I think that you know, this was another period where there was a little bit more reunification. You know, they they brought in Eric Singer, you know, Bruce was still in them at the during the Revenge time. All, all the stuff that they did during the uh uh what's that album? I can't believe on that album is slipping my mind. The the grunge album there. Carnival of Souls. Carnival of Souls, there you go. Yeah. Uh see how see how forgetful that record is? Uh that that one uh it's that that's a lot of involvement obviously with Bruce and Eric Singer, you know, and Gene probably more than much more than Paul. But again, you know, I think that there was some uh there was there was more tightness I think amongst them as a group when those guys were involved. Now of course we yeah. still have the the songs at the end where we have like you know within into the void cycle circus which is again an album steeped with you know controversy and stuff like that right. But you know then you end out with the shouted out loud and rock and roll night from the reunion time period. So I don't know I I I found it very difficult to give it to one individual here. So I I just gave it to the whole band. I mean. This is the probably the only other time period where these guys were in some sort of unified quest for, you know, success. 
Yeah, you know, strange that they put nothing can keep me from you on this again with how badly it was received, and nothing from a live three. It's like, I mean, nothing, no live Eric Singer other than Unplugged. I mean, that's kind of a shame that that mm. album's ignored, and nothing can keep me from you is even acknowledged. All right, Ken. Yeah, nothing can keep me from you. Uh, well, it's again, I think. Paul may have had a lot of input on this box set because that's one of his songs that he, you know, co-wrote, I believe, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, I agree with Mark. Uh, is Kiss as the, the, you know the band. I couldn't really pick a a winner or MVP on this other than you know, just the band. You know, former members or the newer members actually. Um, well, yeah. So I, I think that's the only way to go with this thing um you mentioned a lot about the songs the one thing that i think is a kind of a miss on this one is you know they used it's my life but it was the record from um uh, psycho circus period you know when, that they were going to record for that uh i would have they must have a good version of that from when they were doing creatures or before creatures um and that's what i would have wanted on here that would have been a great great one i think that's would be the better version of it's my life best version i've always been confused though why they never used that song to begin with it's been on so many different things like why didn't they actually just put it on a studio record wendy o williams earned it she used it but uh gene always kept asking paul to put it on on a bunch of the records and and kind of they you know nixed it i think he also wanted it on uh, crazy nights if, mm-hmm. Right? Am I right? Yeah. yeah. So, Didn't King Cobra know. also record that one? I lose yeah, it sounds... King Cobra 3. Hmm. I lose three. track. I can't, I can't think. Huh. So, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, the whatever. I, I think if they had a, a pristine copy of it, it would be really nice. But then again, if it didn't turn up on Gene's vault and it was essentially the same that we had out there for years. I don't know how much hope there is for a, a perfect copy of the original version of It's My Life. But again, it was a missed opportunity. But that whole last disc is a missed opportunity as well. All right. Now that we've gotten caught up with that box set that we left out of the last episode, we can get back to where we left off during the last episode. And that is, of course, with the 2009 album that made me so happy that it meant that Psycho Circus was not going to be the bookend to the KISS studio experience and the all was right in the world again. So I'm going to just start off with um, Andrew and Lonnie's MVPs for this. Oh, Andrew, you can't do Slash. Uh, Tommy Slash Gene. So no doubt he would have explained himself why he couldn't make up his mind. And Lonnie, of course. Oh, dear God. Gene. All right. Since we're talking about Gene, that means let's move on to Ken. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I agree with Lonnie. Uh, uh, Gene was my MVP on this album because I think I just feel his songs were you know really good on this album. Um, I like all of them uh, a lot. Um, well, except one, I guess. Let me let me rephrase that. Um, Russian Roulette. You know. Um, yeah, I know nobody's perfect, and uh, I mean he co-wrote with Stan with uh, 
Paul, of course. Um, but Hot and Cold's great. And uh, but I am an animal. Yeah, that one is kind of, uh, uh, I guess, one of his lesser songs. I mean, it's an okay song. It's not a horrible song, but it's not one of his better songs. Um, I think maybe I'm just tired of Modern Day Delilah or something like that. Uh, Paul Stanley wrote a couple songs on here that were really good, you know. Um, definitely, uh, what's the one the other one they do in concert? Um, so, yeah, yeah, the final song, right? Um, so that one and Modern Day Delilah are the real good ones for him. I mean, some of the other ones are kind of, eh, you know, dangerous. Uh, it's kind of goofy. And one of them, one of them sounds like poison, right? On this. Um, yeah, never enough. Never enough. So that one was kind of like, oh, he did that already. He did something like that with Dreamin' on Psycho Circus, you know, Alice Cooper um, infringement or whatever you want to call it there. Um, so I went with Gene. Okay. Mark. Well, I went. I went with Paul. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this is Paul Stanley's album. I mean, let, let's face it. The the all you have to know for why I picked it was what he said before. And well, he didn't say it to anybody, but we well we've heard the degree fine. Either I produced this, or we're not doing it. So right there is why Paul Stanley should be the MVP because there wouldn't be a record if it wasn't for people saying, okay, well we're gonna let Paul do it, you know. There would be no Sonic Boom. You know it, I know it, and come on. Modern Day Delilah was the only real hit off of this record as well. So, you know, you got to give it to him for that. I mean, you know, Russian Roulette is okay. Yes, I know, Nobody's Perfect. It's actually the song I, I don't mind from Gene. I think that's a pretty good song, actually, but I'm an Animal's Terrible. That's a complete stinker, that song, you know. And But the rest of it is, you know, n not bad. I mean, they're not Paul Stanley's finest writers, writing moments, but... You know, they're definitely more in the kind of 70s wheelhouse that they were trying to get back to than other material that they did. Definitely much more than the, anything off a of Psycho Circus. And, you know, I'm guessing that the idea of having Tommy do, you know, when lightning strikes was probably his idea. You know, we got to give you a kind of ace song, you know. So it was probably his idea to do that and probably his idea to give Tom, uh, Peter, Peter. Eric, a song as well. Yeah. There we go. Uh, All for the glory, which I think is actually a pretty good song. I, I don't, I don't mind that song. It's a yeah, pretty, pretty good song. You know, so I, I think that really, once again, Paul was the leader of the tribe here. What he said went, and that's why I kind of gave it to him. And that's why I didn't give it to him. <laughs> because for me, the MVP of, of Sonic Boom is Tommy being unleashed finally to play all the guitar that he wanted to and be credited for on this album he then went and picked little bits and pieces or nuances crept into his playing from every single era of kiss so because there were little things whenever i listen to this album i hear oh that sounds like something off asylum that's something that bruce would have done or oh that's very ac riff right there mm -hmm. or oh that's him trying to do Vinny, you know and just celebrate all of history and the sonics of his guitar playing uh, it will always be tommy um on this album 
But in terms of the songwriters, yeah, Paul wins. I mean, come on, Modern Day Denial is a great song, and Say Yeah is in the set to this day. So, you know, yeah, and it would have happened without Paul. But in terms of execution, Tommy brought his A-game, had clearly been playing everything from Kiss's catalog for the previous 16 years and was ready to, you know, it's not very original, but it celebrates the band's history beautifully Mm -hmm. and that's why it might have been a better bookend than the one which we'll talk about next kiss monster and let's go to lonnie oh no sorry i'm on the wrong one um lonnie selected tommy as his mvp for monster andrew selected gene and ken didn't Hater. I, I did not. Actually, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it, but I want to say I, I chose Paul, but, uh, you know, I know there was an interview recently of Paul, uh, Tommy kind of saying that, you know, he thought the production on Monster was 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 not good. <laughs> um, and uh, which everyone, has, you know, all of us have agreed, you know, about yeah, it's um, terrible brick walled stuff and it's horrible so i don't know why i'm choosing paul because he's he had to approve that <laughs> now i think about it but i'll just stick with uh, paul because of some songs like um you know hell or high water and uh definitely you know freak great song and then um was it down below take, that one take me down below and uh is that, is that the one that's which the one that no what's long the one way down like, long way down really that's, really good that's that one based on long way down and freak those two songs really is what swayed me the gene songs on here i and i like gene and it, are solid but there's something about it where there, there's something missing from his songs i don't know what it is they're just not true to his himself i think he's just writing what maybe someone you know expecting someone's expecting or the crowd is expecting the fans are expecting i i don't know or paul's expecting i i i just think there's something missing uh from his songs it's not varied enough that he usually is a lot more varied between his songs on on any given album um so Anyway, it's not, again, they're not bad. It's something missing. I don't know what it is, but I gave it to Paul. Okay. Mark? Well, the funny thing is I picked Tommy for this one. And I, a lot of it is for the same reasons that you said, Julian, for Sonic Boom. But except I don't get the feeling on Sonic Boom that he was let free out of his cage. I always kind of had the feeling that you had Tommy there. And you kind of had Paul hovering over top and going, okay, show me what you're going to play there. No, I don't know. No, that lick there. No, no. Uh, I, I really think that he was hovering over him a lot because he made it even sound. I remember, don't remember where I read this or heard this, but they, there was, I don't know if I read this somewhere, but something about the fact that they were even debating whether to let Tommy do all the solos on that record. And that yeah. he kind of almost made it sound like that he was happy that he was that he was able to do all the solos on that record. Now I don't know if I misread that or if I read that somewhere and it was not I misread it again. But I think that Paul 
for that record was really on him for the solos. I don't think that he just said, yeah, you go ahead there, Tommy, you do whatever you want to play. No, I don't think he did that on this record. I think he did it on Monster. I think by that point, he was like, yeah, okay, you know what? I trust you now. You you can do whatever you want on the solos. I, I think the solos are much more Tommy-ish in the sense that I, I don't get as much of the throwback Mm-hmm. on that record as much as you do on sonic boom you know I, I think that he was able to run a little bit more wilder on this one you know don't get, don't get me wrong i'm not saying that you know he he was sitting there and videotaping him and was staring at the fretboard the whole time he was playing or something like that but you know he i think that he was a little bit more cautious because this was the big rumored comeback back to the 70s thing and i think paul wanted to make sure that everything was just so before it came out. And I think by the time they did Monster, I think they were comfortable with their return and comfortable with making another studio record. So I think that he was let go much more off the chain on that record. That's interesting. And that would be a really good question to ask Tommy, because I totally disagree with kind of the perception that Paul was micromanaging him, because I think you'd lose all of the fluidity and kind of the organic sound of those solos. I think they would feel forced if he'd been henpecked into doing it and they they really do sound like someone who's been playing the catalog for 16 years going in i think i think he would have been pretty well dialed in to what paul wanted and delivering it but i do agree that there's a vast difference between his solos on that album and monster which is why he's my mvp on this album as well not only the amount of this is his carnival of souls like bruce's contributions Mm -hmm. on carnival of souls are all over the place he is all over this album on you know the songwriting as well but now the guitar is very much more who is tommy thayer in kiss and it's almost like he's deliberately not going back to the same way that they were approached, the guitar and solos were approached on Sonic Boom, and instead trying to define who he is as a member of the band for himself. And as a result, he comes up with just as solid lead work, um, if not more so, for that reason. So it's the more honest album. Now, is the album ruined by Paul Stanley's production? The brick walling is not Paul Stanley's fault, other than it being okayed to ever go into production afterwards. But there are elements of the production which are just very unappealing and do not sound good to this day. So I think there's a combination of mastering errors and... Um, again, I think the industry at that point had kind of t- taken yeah. that dial all the way to the left into the blood zone. Um, mm-hmm. And I would love this one to be remixed and remastered yeah. for re-release with a better cover. Because the songs yeah. on here, we've mentioned Long Way Down. The first time I heard that, Paul Stanley could still write, as people will hear with Soundstation, he can still write really good songs. And that's evident. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Gene also did dial in a couple of good ones. Yeah, there was more recycling going on, but Eat Your Heart Out is just quintessential Gene. Mm-hmm. But stuff like Shout Mercy and um, what was it? The Devil Is Me. Devil Is Me. Just, you know, we're not Gene enough. That's almost songs that have too much influence from Paul um, mm-hmm. coming through and kind of neutering, neuter demon. So. 
exactly. uh, Tommy, uh, on these last two albums, I think his role within the band and keeping it vibrant and alive, and, and I wish I could say more about Eric Singer and his contributions, but the drums just don't sound fantastic on either of these albums, which is unfortunate because I think he's mm-hmm. very much in the pocket on Sonic Boom. Um, I find this one a little bit less you know, endearing just because the overall sonics of it are not very appealing for digging into the, the well, you don't really get good separation between the instrumentation, so it makes it hard to do. All right, we have one album left in our MVP battle, and we are not doing an MVP of MVPs. Forget it. We're going to get back to normal topic next week because uh, Daniel is going to be around. So uh-huh. Kiss Rocks Vegas will... Uh, We'll finish up with Lonnie and Andrew again. Andrew went with Tommy. So I can see why. I totally see why. Lonnie picked Kiss. <sighs> Which leads straight into Ken. Yeah, so like Lonnie, similar to Lonnie, I put I picked Kiss, but I also picked uh, Doc. Doc McGee. <laughs> uh, because he's the one that I'm sure worked it out and, and got that deal with uh, the Vegas run uh, that they had uh, out there uh, for that set of concerts. So uh, I could have just said Doc, but, you know, I kind of split it between Kiss and Doc. And Kiss did a great job uh, during that um, uh, stint there in Vegas. And uh, it's all good, actually. I mean, I, I couldn't give it to one person in the band they all were doing a great job uh it turned out great the the, the record's good the, the video's real good of course um with the differences in the stage and the other uh things going on uh in the concert with the the screens and, and so on so it was really good but you know doc had to be included because He's the one that sets this stuff up, uh, these shows up, you know, like this, what, the, the Vegas and then, you know, Dubai or whatever. Um, he's the one that uh, gets gets these deals for them. So Kiss and Doc are my picks. Nicely. Well considered as always. We'd be shocked if it wasn't. Mark? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have to agree. That was well, well thought out there, Ken. I mean, I with with that said, I think Doc McGee could be named the MVP for a lot of the uh, 2000s. I mean, he pretty much steered that ship for a lot of it, you know, later on, as far as business goes, but not musically. But the, the interesting thing about this record, as I was looking through it just now, uh, it's listed executive producer Don Doc McGee, and production is cr- credited to Tommy Thayer on this record for some reason. Um, I don't know if he is actually the producer of this record or not, but, uh, you know, uh, I actually picked Tommy Thayer as my MVP for this record. And again, I, I kind of gave it uh, that reasoning for what I talked about before. I think that he's very well placed in the band now. He's comfortable. You can tell it now when you watch him performing. I mean, it. whenever he does even his solo sections now, I think of it less as him trying to redo an ace thing and I'm kind of looking at it more as something that he is now in control of a little bit more. And I just find that he, when I listen to him playing the songs live, it, it's very comfortable. I, I, of course, when he, when you first joined the band, you, you instantly have to start doing that comparison with, you know, 
how much of it, the ace thing will he do? How much of this will he do? And I don't think of that anymore with him at all when I watch him live. I mean, Kiss Rocks Vegas is probably one of the things that I've watched, you know, the last, you know, I don't know, in the last six months. I've probably watched it a couple of times just because I was curious to rewatch it again. I mean, these Las Vegas kind of productions are always great because you don't have to tear it down and build it back up in another city. It's just constructed once really well. And every night you have a fantastic performance because you don't have to worry about, you know, something going wrong because you keep tearing it apart and putting it back up again. So uh, I I think that Tommy at this point is really enjoying his time with Kiss. Uh, I think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he actually is the full audio producer of this thing because I think the, produ- the production of it sounds pretty good. I mean, you know, it's not the best sounding live album I've ever heard. But I've definitely heard much, much worse than this. You know, I mean, alive too. I mean, you know, that sounds like a like a Beatles audience over a Kiss concert. You know, like oh my God, I can't do, I can't stand listening to it. But it's, I think that he did a great job. You know, I, I'm really, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm his dad or something. I'm really proud of Tommy. You know, but I, I am proud of him as a guitar player that he stepped into a difficult place with a band that's much loved in Americana, especially, and. You know, he, he he has done a great job, and I think he has nothing to be but proud of what he's done with Kiss throughout all this time. That was like a Paul Stanley yeah. anthem being written live on air. <laughs> no, that's, re- that's, that's really nice sentiment. Um, for me, though, it's Paul on this, because he was the ringmaster at this show, and obviously I'm, I'll always be connected with it, having attended, and I was okay. focused on watching Paul. I mean, I try and watch all of them throughout, and I put Kiss as my MVP for it, but I think, thinking back, I, I just see Paul still giving everything to the show. The band was really powerful, but again, it is mostly Paul's songs and performances on this. Um, he wins because I finally got to hear Tears Are Falling live. So, um, for for that reason alone, for me, that makes him my MVP. And just you know, thinking back to the laser lights of it, I can still see it in my mind's eye. Uh, you know, and Creatures of the Night, and Detroit Rock City, and I even got Deuce, you know, from from Gene. So, yeah, you know, I will always have fond memories of this album, and I, I hope before the end. You know, we get some more. I'm looking forward to Dubai, and when we do finally get that final product, that'll be really interesting. I've not, you know, done any playback of that since, even though I do have a copy of the file. Um, I I haven't gone back to it because I want to wait now and see what I think of it when it is the full release version, uh, either audio-wise and you know, mm-hmm. all, all the little things that we were picking up. It'll be interesting to see who we think, it, you know, if we even talk about it, is the MVP <laughs> of that as a release. Mm-hmm. And I know one of you said, oh, we have to do the Kisteria box set. What? No. <laughs> That's just silly. We... <laughs> it was a joke, more or less. Okay, thank goodness. I'm relieved yeah. because I, I seriously couldn't think of anything to do with that. All right. MVPs, that's who we think. We're done. That's the whole catalog, or enough of the catalog that we're going to talk about. Um, 
who's your MVPs for each disc of the box set and then the remaining catalog albums um, through what has currently been released. More is coming. Who knows what this year will bring us. You've already had surprises like the Shout It Out Loud single. And, uh, you know, who knows what there may still be yet to come as a release date shift and change. Obviously, the From the Soundboard is uh, getting pushed, it looks like. Paul's Soul Station is coming. I think we will have to do a show on that, inevitably, which will be kind of interesting. Who's who wants to do a show on Soul Station? I'll do it. I'm getting a copy. So yeah, I'm getting a copy uh, too. Vinyl. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to compare with the original versions. Yeah, I'm hoping for a 40th anniversary of uh, the Elder. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, I do you honestly think they're gonna do that? I think I don't know. I, I don't know if they're gonna do it, but I, I, I hope they do something. We shall see. All right, that's it for now. So from Mark, from Ken, myself, and our absentee friends, we will see you next time. <laughs> Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.